0: This smells so again. fresh.
1: She this every time, and we'll just never ever be able mm. to focus.
0: <sighs> <laughs> it's good. It's fresh. Welcome to Super Superstitious, Super Duperstitious. <laughs> super duper there it is, the Paranormal Podcast. That's hard to pronounce. Yes, indeed. Um, I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake, and uh, we're back with part two of Supernatural, the Super Duperstitious special report on. Uh, how do you
1: want to describe it i, I don't know I, don't earth... want, I hesitate to say new age bullshit yeah but... <laughs> right
0: that's kind of like i guess that's sort of like the thesis of our first part of this i guess you could say like earth energy
1: yeah uh, mystical energy of the earth and rocks and like crystals that. and shit yeah so we did a couple of stories about that last week uh feel free to check that out if you haven't already i don't know why you'd start on part two Widows. what are you crazy yeah but uh this week we're going to talk more about the kind of science that is involved in that stuff either backing it up or refuting
0: it or you know, the different ways things have been interpreted and just kind of what it all is yes indeed and uh taking on a little tour of other things that are geological and scientifically well grounded and founded energy stuff rock stuff what more could you want in the podcast exactly all right, before we get into it, what are we, uh, what is this you have me drinking now? Um, I've forced you to enjoy with me, uh, Decadent Eclipse. Ooh. By Neighborhood Beer Company. It is a black lager and an imperial oatmeal Schwarzbier. Schwarzbier? Mm hmm. Cool. Would you say that it tastes more sinful than it looks? It certainly feels sinful. I Ooh. don't know. Would you think that it. Has sensations of dark chocolate. It's like when you take a little, like, square of dark
1: chocolate and kind of rub it on your face. That you, exactly that. That's what I got when I started drinking it.
0: Cool. Well, that's perfect then. That uh, their description is dead on. And that's what we're drinking. Great.
1: So yeah, let me uh, from there. Let me jump into the stuff. All right. Last laid, week laid down. I ended the segment by talking briefly about crystals and how they can be used for healing. And then just kind of chat on that idea with a promise of talking more about cool crystal properties this week. <laughs> I'm going to just run quickly through some of the major crystals and what they are supposed to be able to do, mm-hmm. and then talk about the principles behind how they work and what cool stuff that actually means in the real world. Sound good? No. Don't care. Here oh, we go. Oh, man. I found the following useful information on lifeenergysolutions.com. For our sake, I went ahead and corrected all the grammar in those quotes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Quartz is considered to be the master healer stone. Mm. It is said to amplify healing energy and is used to perform diagnostic healing. It enhances energy by absorbing, storing, amplifying, balancing, focusing, and transmitting. It Um. channels universal energy. Quartz also enhances thoughts, a form of energy. It is good for manifesting, healing, meditation, protection, and channeling. Thoughts, a form of energy. uh, Let's put a pin in that. (laughs) Yeah, for real. I... I, uh... If only, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. As quartz is also excellent at storing and retrieving information, a form of energy, (laughs) it makes them particularly good for programming to use for a particular purpose. Information, Uh. a form of energy. (laughs) Let's put a pin in that. (laughs) Also, due to all of the conducting and amplifying the quartz is meant to be responsible for, uh, people often blame quartz deposits in, like, just bedrock for hauntings. Weird you have the different investigators saying, Oh there's a whole bunch of quartz in the area That explains all the haunting activity
0: I thought like A lot of quartz in the area Just meant there was mad crime in that area
1: No no it did not Amethyst is purple quartz And is a meditative and calming stone mm. It benefits us emotionally Spiritually and physically To provide calm Balance Patience and peace Amethyst is also beneficial when dealing with legal problems and money issues. See, courts. Which can lead to prosperity and abundance. Oh. Amethyst is a powerful and protective stone. It is a natural tranquilizer, relieving stress and soothing irritability. It is claimed to relieve obsessive compulsive disorder and hyperactivity in children and animals. Hmm. Now I'll agree that blunt force head trauma from any stone large enough is guaranteed to have a calming effect on the recipient. <laughs> but I call bullshit on the OCD cure. Yeah. I collected rocks when I was in elementary school including a number of crystals and only made things worse. <laughs> and look how you turned out. <laughs> <laughs> I um, it wasn't until like years later that I actually realized it was OCD but yeah the rock collecting thing really like it was it became like a kind of like super anxious thing where I Kind of had to get every rock that looked kind of cool. Oh, my. so I had these buckets of rocks. I couldn't, like, look at them at all. I just just had them. And eventually, I just got rid of them all and never collected another rock and felt so much better.
0: Did you have, like, a big rock dumping ceremony?
1: or? No, I just took the buckets out back and dumped them in the woods, and that was (laughs) that. I was like, yeah, I have some rocks. I don't need these rocks. They're very heavy. (laughs) But, yeah, the amethyst that I had did not help with the OCD. No. (laughs) Red jasper grounds energy and rectifies unjust situations, providing insight. It makes an excellent worry bead, calming emotions when held. Placed under the pillow at night, it helps dream recall. It stimulates the base chakra. Said to be the stone of health, it strengthens and detoxifies. So Pyrite is a very protective stone which shields the wearer from negative energy of all kings. What? The What? The website did not elaborate here. I don't know what that means. The negative energy of all kings of all kinds. It was okay, a typo. Okay, that okay, that makes so much. More. I was so baffled by that. I like I, that's just what <laughs> the it negative is. Negative
0: energy of kings. It
1: protects you from monarchy. Yeah, for real. Oh my um, god, I missed one of the corrections. Then in my
0: that's fine. I'm sure yeah. you were. I mean, I can only imagine the state these sentences were in.
1: A lot of brackets in here. Uh, it is said to protect from both environmental pollution and physical danger. What? Pyrite is also said to promote good physical health and emotional well being. Uh-huh. Obsidian is a protective stone excellent for removing negativity. Ooh. It is a very grounding, healing stone. It is also one of the only things that can kill a white walker. Uh, green agate is said to attract abundance and to bring prosperity into your life. Nice. It is believed to be a stone of new beginnings, helping to release you from deep-seated fears and blockages that might be holding you back. Uh-huh. Green agate is strongly connected to nature and is said to help open your eyes to the beauty that is all around you. If you're a gardener or work in agriculture, this stone is of great benefit to you. I just like the idea
0: that a lot of these are based on what color they are. I was just going to say that. Exactly. Like money and plants. Yeah. Right. Green. Right. green. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I The tone that that came out of my mouth, I feel like I just slammed a bunch of folks who would be into this. Maybe I should anyway. Fuck you guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um... In healing, green agate is believed to speed up recovery from illness or injury and to boost the immune system. Because green? Because green. It is thought to be anti-inflammatory, reducing swelling in the lymph nodes, easing the symptoms of colds and flus and lowering temperatures. Mm -hmm. So this is where we start to get into dangerous territory that I'm not okay with. But let me cover one last type of stone. Please. Malachite is said to be a powerful emotional cleanser, helping to remove past traumas and negative emotions to bring harmony into your life. In healing, Malachite is believed to lower blood pressure and to help detoxify the liver. Malachite Mm. is also said to ease cramps, including menstrual cramps, and to facilitate childbirth. What? Then it says after that, please note Malachite dust is toxic and that Malachite should only be used in its polished form. (laughs) So it's like they're recommending Uh. these different stones, like, oh, they can help you all these different ways. By the way, this stone will actually probably kill you, so be careful.
0: (laughs) They're really uh, showing you the space behind the curtain with that little moment there. (laughs) Yes. They're like, by the way, we're legally obliged to tell you that. Uh,
1: this is how the stone actually works. And this we thing yeah. is actually
0: toxic, but uh, if you want to buy into the story. Yeah.
1: So to summarize, crystals and other stones could do all sorts of amazing things, and you use them by holding them or having them on you or near you. Mm-hmm. These are rocks. <laughs> I also mentioned last week, to the extent that crystals can be said to work, their main method for doing so is all based on vibrations and frequencies. Ooh. Uh, crystals do vibrate at fre- uh, specific frequencies, and those frequencies are unique to certain types, but also to the size and how they're cut, etc. Hmm. So you can't really call one type of crystal a higher frequency than another just because of the type alone. If it's a bigger crystal than the other or if it's a it all depends on a lot of different things that can affect its physical properties just based right. on what it is right the catch as far as far as how they work the catch is that they don't just freely vibrate on their own they're not hmm. just like hanging around buzzing just around like the room rattling around exactly yeah. you have to apply a vibration to them and then they resonate at their specific frequency kind of like you know all physical objects yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um, most materials have a resonant frequency and so, when you hit that frequency, it'll actually, you know, start vibrating. That's right. why. So, for example, opera singers breaking glass. The idea is that once they hit the resonant frequency of the glass, the glass starts to
0: vibrate and um, becomes brittle and can shatter. Is that also a similar principle behind the phenomenon of bridges collapsing underneath? Yeah, like
1: the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. It was yes. believed that the wind got it blowing until it reached its natural, like it kind of vibrated at its resonant frequency. And started just going nuts, just wobbling, like crazy rumbling, just falling apart entirely. Right. Um, So, yes, exactly. All stuff has a resonant frequency, so crystals are no exception. Uh, So, if you want to receive the specific frequency of a a piece of amethyst, just holding it in your hand is going to do precisely fuck all. Mm -hmm. Uh, That said, the actual vibrational properties of some crystals is genuinely awesome. Quartz is the granddaddy of them all, so that's what I'll focus on.
0: Yeah, cool. Do uh, tell.
1: Uh, due to the molecular structure of quartz crystals, we're talking silicon dioxide, Oh yeah. Uh, bending quartz causes it to accumulate electrical charge on certain planes. Oh, so very if you, cool. If you distort its shape, it starts to take on an electrical charge in certain areas. Mm. Then on the inverse, applying an electrical charge on those areas will in turn cause it to bend. So you can that's go very both interesting. ways. Yeah. It is thus what's considered a piezoelectric material. And because of this awesome Mm. property, this means that regularly applying a modulating electrical current to a piece of quartz will cause it to bend and straighten, bend and straighten all in time with the electrical pulse. So you can do all kinds of different stuff with it based on that one common use Mm -hmm. I will expand on now. So Mm. rather than generating its own mystical vibration at a specific frequency, it filters vibrations that are applied to it down to its specific frequency that it's kind of tuned to. So if you just through its it, molecular structure, yes, and the way it's cut as well. Um, so you can you can tune it to a specific frequency based on how you handle it. Um, That's cool. And then when you just hit it with any vibration, the quartz itself will vibrate only at its frequency.
0: Kind of like if you've stretched a certain size of uh, leather across like a drum or something like, it'll have a certain.
1: Yeah, certain Maybe, tuning. I don't and, know and, if,
0: that, if that, is that an appropriate...
1: Yeah, so like, let's say a timpani, for example, is to yeah. a specific pitch. And if you hit it...
0: Based on its any, physical structure, I mean Yeah, to if say. you
1: hit it with anything like a mallet or any kind of way, any kind of strike against it will turn into sound waves of that specific frequency.
0: There you go. Yeah, sorry to so, give you a weird...
1: I'm just... No, it's fine. It's still, I, I think it puts it in more digestible terms and ter- like it just kind of makes more sense to, in terms of how that works. So if you have quartz that you are you tune to a specific frequency, it does cool stuff. So mm. quartz clocks and watches use a piece of quartz cut into the shape of a tiny tuning fork, huh. and they're very precisely aimed to vibrate at 32,768 hertz. Damn. Now, hertz are cycles per second. So this number is the same as 2 to the 15th power. 2 to the 15th power, or 2 times 2 times 2 times 2, uh, 15 times is 32,768. So because it's a power of two, it means that a bunch of mechanisms that divide the frequency by two, either digitally or through gears, mm. like, you know, slow down this frequency, cut it in half over and over again, can get it down to exactly one hertz or one cycle per second. Huh. This would be useful for, Wyatt?
0: Keeping time? Yes. The second hand on a clock.
1: Oh yeah, there you go. So if you can get the movement to just be, you're putting vibration in through an electrical current, if it's mm. a watch battery or something, mm-hmm. um, it gets the quartz going Different gears and things can slow it it down to the point of being. So it's a a constant speed, constant vibration, Mm -hmm. constant frequency that it's very specifically tuned to. And um, the gears and things can slow that frequency down till it's one second per second, basically. That's so cool. And the motion happens exactly on that space. And then the other hands follow suit. Wow. And so that's how it can be so precisely timed. That's so cool. So quartz is very cool, just for slightly different reasons. So there's something wicked cool that crystals can do right there. Uh, that involves the transmission of energy flowing through things, but that is not at all mystical.
0: Right. And so, picking up from there, I'll recap my own segment and uh, take us through that. Last week, I unpacked ley lines and uh, elevated? Royally panned them for like half an hour with you? <laughs> um, if you missed that, ley lines are now popularly thought to be channels of high electromagnetic and spiritual energy, which underlie major landforms and places of ancient religious significance or culture, um, often including madmane structures. But the real background of ley lines is less incredible. The biggest thing I learned last week is that ley lines are spelled L-E-Y. That's right. (laughs) Uh, The phrase ley line was coined in 1921 by an amateur archaeologist named Alfred Watkins. Uh, Watkins was referring to perceived alignments of numerous places of geographical and historical interest such as ancient monuments and megaliths and natural features of significance. He uh, took this on in his books Early British Trackways and the old straight track during his quest to identify ancient trackways along the british landscape okay it's the uk it was probably really rainy and he was probably real bored (laughs) uh watkins later developed theories that these alignments were created for ease of overland trekking by line of sight navigation during Neolithic, neolithic times and had persisted in the landscape over millennia all in all not an unreasonable claim i think And so it was, for almost 50 years, until in 1969, John Mitchell took ley lines to the quack dimension with his book, (laughs) The View Over Atlantis. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, already this is a title which should give (laughs) a sober reader some pause. In his book, Mitchell associated ley lines with spiritual and mystical theories about alignments of landforms drawing on the Chinese concept of feng shui to help prop up his madness. Okay. Um, Nothing against feng shui or those who practice or subscribe to the system. Um, Mitchell believed that a mystical network of ley lines existed across Britain And his notion was actively promoted by The Lay Hunter magazine, a periodical (laughs) addressing mysterious and otherwise supernatural-seeming geological phenomena, of course. At some point in history, there was a magazine for everything. It's true. The Lay Hunter was being edited at the time by Mitchell's biographer, Paul Screeton, So they basically had all the power they needed to spin up the ley line conspiracy. Damn. Accordingly, you won't find ley lines discussed as such in geography or geology textbooks because they aren't really real actual measurable things (laughs) Um, As far as we can show through science earthbound spiritual energies are not flowing along miraculously straight lines nor are they the foundational source around which important cultural and religious uh, structures were erected nor are they means by which supposedly higher states life forms or altered mentions may be invoked not even of the Cetus uh, constellation. <laughs> Maybe those guys. If you can get to that six D level. <laughs> oh, and you uh definitely cannot charge up your rocks on them either. Damn. Um, but this isn't to say that the Earth does not have pretty amazing energetic courses and fields which can be measured and experienced and used to invoke higher states of consciousness, contact life forms, or open ultra dimensions. Just kidding about those last three guys. Come on. <laughs> Telluric currents. Now before you go on, do you
1: mind if I, I just want The, um, so ley lines, like one of the things about them is that they're lines that connect all these different, super important ancient, um, landmarks and stuff. And one of the ideas we kind of lightly covered last week was that, oh, they're on these certain lines. There must be something special about these lines. There must be some kind of power here. And what I wondered was whether or not it could just be that the ancients, you know, we're all very interested in astronomy. And align their stuff with stuff in the sky yes and so it stands to reason that they would follow similar lines just based on where things pass over the earth folks
0: folks have been looking in the wrong direction (laughs) yeah there's a whole ton of work that's been done to demonstrate how many many structures are astronomically aligned rather than geologically oriented if that makes sense I mean, for instance, Stonehenge, I believe it's about the summer solstice where the uh, sun is perfectly aligned with like the keystone or something like this Mm -hmm. that um, plays in that structure. And I believe, I don't know if this still stands, but I remember learning at one point that the pyramids at Giza are also arranged in the same orientation as a particularly conspicuous constellation. I'm not remembering the name of it now.
1: Either they're arranged like the constellation or they're arranged to be directly underneath at a certain time of year yes. or some kind of thing like that. And I don't remember which constellation either. It might be Orion, but I'm not
0: positive. Right. Um. It turns out the night sky is incredibly visible when you don't have a shitload of light pollution everywhere. Yes. And it is amazing. If you've ever gone camping far away enough from civilization and you have a nice clear night, I mean, it's... You can understand why people spend a lot of time craning their necks back, yeah, and uh, trying to maybe orient their reality by that crazy amount of you know lightworks that were so consistent and so important for navigation, so so critical for keeping time of you know when to plant, when to harvest, all these kinds of things. For sure, pretty incredible. But anyway, that's that's a topic for the History Channel back in 1993. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, perhaps the most ley-line-like of the topics that I dug up for today, our fine Earth does indeed have currents of electrical energy flowing through it, and these are referred to as telluric currents. Telluric currents, okay. These are natural electrical phenomena observed in the crust and mantle. Uh, The crust and mantle are the first and second layers of our planet's physical anatomy, if you like, and uh, make up the Earth's lithosphere, Mm -hmm. uh, literally the rocky layer of the planet, Such currents can also be detected in bodies of water, but we won't focus on that so much today The electric potential on the earth's surface can be measured at different points and this allows for the uh, calculation of the magnitudes and directions of each of these telluric currents Um, And this in turn gives us some idea of the earth's total conductance and by that I mean the sort of earth's total charge electrical charge Okay Uh, These currents are known to have some pretty cool properties, including diurnal characteristics, wherein the general direction of flow is toward the sun. So as the Earth continues to rotate around its axis, telluric currents shift. So over the course of a day, basically, uh, telluric currents... Continuously move between the sunlit and shadowed sides of the Earth, ever moving toward the equator on the side of the Earth facing the sun. Okay. So any sort of like during the day telluric currents move towards the equator and then toward the poles on the night side of the planet. Interesting. Amazingly, there are 32 distinct mechanisms that cause this uh, earthly electricity. 32 all working together to cause it or they are all they contribute in various different ways so they're not working necessarily um, all at once Um, they are described by the Wu-Tang Clan but I'm going to draw instead from a peer-reviewed article today (laughs) Uh, this is Daniel Hellman of the mayonnaise fame he's like I've had enough of condiments (laughs) I'm getting into telluric currents (laughs) (laughs) he details each mechanism in his paper Earth Electricity a review of mechanisms which cause telluric currents in the lithosphere super creative title um it's a 2013 paper in the annals of geophysics Ah, my favorite um i won't go through them all but major causative agents include lightning ocean currents earthquakes and even electromagnetic signals from human activity oh and all influence the sort of regional terroir (laughs) of the uh telluric current makeup While major lines of telluric current energy have been suggested, and this sounds an awful lot like the definition of a ley line to Mm me, the the sort of new agey definition, these pathways are far less conspicuous, as in they do not tie multiple high profile landmarks together necessarily. Okay. To see them on a map, the the only map I could find was outdated, but it was like for a long time the best estimation of the major lines and they look much more like meteorological almost like pressure bands yeah uh so you know they are circular but they're not like wrapping across these particular sites by any means sure that said telluric energy can and has been tapped in the form of an earth battery earth battery yes i had not heard about this until digging into this realm so before you scream i knew it (laughs) And run into your backyard with your Herkimer diamonds and other crystals ready for a charge. (laughs) Chill your shit on out. An Earth battery is simply a pair of electrodes made of two dissimilar metals, such as iron and copper, which are buried in the soil or occasionally immersed in the sea. Take one of each and just throw it into the sea. (laughs) (laughs) I have all the energy now! (laughs) Uh, Earth batteries act as water-activated batteries, so if the plates are sufficiently far apart, they can tap telluric currents. By water-activated battery, I mean a battery that does not contain an electrolyte and hence produces no voltage until it is soaked in water for several minutes. Hmm. Didn't know that. One of the earliest examples of an Earth battery was built by Alexander Bain in 1841. B-A-I-N. I'm guessing it's B rather than A-I-A. Alexander Bain. Of course. <laughs> I've made an Earth battery, Batman.
1: Um, Alexander Bain, bon for that matter. Baum. Bon. Bon. yeah.
0: It produces a very small (laughs) charge. 1841, in order to drive a prime mover, which is a device that transforms the flow or changes in pressure of a fluid into mechanical energy, Bain (laughs) (laughs) buried plates of zinc and copper in the ground about one meter apart. In a football stadium? In a football stadium, and held a bunch of people hostage (laughs) threatening that if they did not comply with his wishes uh, he would use the resulting voltage of about one volt (laughs) to operate a clock (laughs) so you know you probably won't be charging your iPad using these things but it's a pretty neat example I think of how Real, honest-to-goodness, electrical currents can be tapped into and even used to open a portal to a higher dimension. Just kidding. (laughs) Can be used to make the hand of a tiny clock move a little bit. Just kidding. Again, can be used, period. Great.
1: Now, Mr. Shelf, I might cut in for a moment. You've brought me to a question I'd like to address, and it's an important question I think may be on people's minds right now. What the fuck is energy? How does that work? It's a term we use so commonly that it's almost meaningless at this point. Actually, in the context of everything we're talking about today, it is meaningless. Energy is thoughts and information, dude. Exactly. Call it chi. Call it prana. Call it life energy. Call it the force. Mm. It's all the same thing, and that thing is not a thing. A psychologist, Wilhelm Reich, called it orgone and believed that it could be conducted <laughs> and harnessed through the layering of metal and some organic material. Usually wood. Orgone. orgone.
0: Have you ever played the orgone trail? Yeah, I died of too low frequency. I died of uh, not having malachite near my body. Uh, Or too much, depending. Yeah, or drinking powdered malachite. (laughs) He built a lot of chambers comprised of this kind of
1: plying of wood and metal and had people sit inside the chambers to be immersed in a high dose of life energy. What Uh, the fuck? Yeah, orgone is life energy. So people have since discovered that this same effect can be achieved through the use of organite. Uh, Organite is a completely real mineral made by taking a bunch of metal chunks and suspending them in resin. What the fuck? Oh, <laughs> uh, so people just yeah do yeah, that. And, and yeah. Say, oh, this is you know instead of build, building a whole chamber out of wood and metal, you can just make these like stones, fake organite. stones uh, called organite, and it has a similar effect. Oh my god! Now, this incredibly sophisticated technology has been honed to make orgone generators, so that anyone can produce a bunch of life energy in their own home. And Wyatt, you too can own your very own orgone generator. I now very much want to. It's the very best on the market. Okay, and it's available for the low, low price. How much? Of eleven uh, thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars. <sighs> but check it
0: out! Like, look That's at all. That's five things. whole dollars less than twelve thousand, which would have put yes. me totally off. It looks like a huge fucking mixer. It does. Has a bunch of little knobs.
1: So uh, this is on Etsy. So it shows the materials it's made from. Does it so come with a roll of tape? What's organite that thing? scalar quantum. It comes with quantum. That's a EMF leap. crystals. Impf quartz. Amethyst, gold, gold and, and Ormus. Yeah, so I some, knew
0: an Ormus once. So that here's the ring,
1: it Just has like little LEDs in it and stuff. So this so that the you numbers put in the front. So it'll show how much orgone you're generating as you
0: go. To put the ring around your
1: penis. And put the ring around your penis. Then you just let it start <laughs> filling your uh, situation with life. <laughs> with organite. Organ. You know, the organite's in the generator in the itself. itself. It's used. What are to generate. the dials for? Well, let's uh, let's go down here and see. Um, I didn't get enough detail. Oh, they're charging up the water, huh? Yeah, charging up some water with uh, orgone. Look at that. Um, contrary to many commonly av- to commonly available misinformation, Organite <laughs> registered trademark. In itself does not generate orgone. It only accumulates it. Oh, shit. Those who praise Dr. Reich should know this as it is a central theme to all of his studies. Further, Reich found the orgone accumulated place around toxic environments produced DOR, deadly orgone. Yeah, he found there are different kinds of orgone. There's oh, the no. good, positive, and there's also deadly orgone. So Door. so just having organite will just accumulate all kinds of orgone. You can't really control which kinds. Now, you can use crystals to kind of mediate which kinds you're getting more of and get more of the good kind and none of the bad kind. God, these people and must these be generators, bored as fuck. Yes, this is so, like so much fucking work. Yes, and so the purpose of the ATG12 Orgone Generator Registered Trademark is the generating of life force, or Qi energy. Therefore, all radionics devices from HSCTI have a built-in Qi generator registered trademark, Orgone Generator Registered Trademark, to provide <laughs> the power necessary for effective action at a distance. In other words, now you have the yeah. technology to generate optimal astrological progressions and to block undesired trends successfully. Oh, shit. The professional <laughs> astrologer who uses the ATG 12 <laughs> is no longer a mere interpreter of trends and, at best, a counselor. So, I think we should uh,
0: refer to ourselves as professional podcasters. From now on.
1: <laughs> As humans have thought more and more about the nature of life, we've gotten very justifiably hung up on the question of what? <laughs> life itself is a very amazing and wonderful thing, and it stands to reason that centuries and millennia of thinkers have been both fascinated and baffled by how it all works. Quite so. Or even can work, for that matter. Yeah, what the hell's up with this shit? Uh, if you find listeners want more detail on the beginning of life on Earth and how completely awesome it really is, Check out our previous Super Duper Special special, uh, special Report in Episodes 13 and 14. Yeah, buddy. In Episode 14, we talk all about uh, how life probably evolved on Earth from simple chemicals. It's awesome. It is awesome. More recently, as we've gotten deeper and deeper into our understanding of specific biological processes and how crazy, cool, complex they can be, the idea of some sort of metaphysical power permeating mm. and controlling everything has come back to the forefront some more in certain circles anyway. Mhm. So to dispel some of this goofitude, I'll <laughs> give a goofitude. a goofitude. I'll give a little rundown here of what actual energy is and how that works. Lay it on us. Basically, energy is a property that has to be applied to an object in order for that object to do anything. The doing here can mean moving or heating or any of myriad variations on those two ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just picture any action that can be performed on an object, and it can somehow fit into one of those two categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so energy is a property that allows for action to occur. What the fuck is that about? <laughs> it exists in any of two forms: uh, kinetic energy or potential energy.
0: You forgot orgone energy.
1: Orgone energy. Yes. <laughs> that is the uh, umami energy. <laughs> Kinetic energy is the energy of something moving. Mm -hmm. Potential energy is more or less the stored energy of something that can move or become heated. Uh, So this can include thermal energy, sound wave energy, which is the kinetic energy of sound vibrations moving through stuff. Mm -hmm. Chemical energy, which is the potential energy of chemical bonds when they form, like in a battery or in food and stuff. Uh, Electrical energy, which is the potential or kinetic energy of electrons doing stuff and just all kinds of other different forms. Right. And like you can see, it's it's largely just potential or kinetic, sometimes combinations. Uh, It can take the form of radiation. It can take the form of several different types of energy combined. It can be stored, used, transformed, but never created or destroyed. Mm -mm. Uh, Sometimes people interpret the notion that energy can't be created or destroyed to mean that when we die, our life energy doesn't disappear and can therefore become a ghost or something. Right. Uh, This is simply a continuation on that idea of energy as something metaphysical and unknowable as opposed to something measurable, observable, and with a known source. Mm-hmm. It's also picking and choosing what science you want to adopt and what you want yeah. to make up. So it's like, oh, so the law of the conservation of energy, that's
0: a, a concept. And then life energy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a concept. A, yeah. <laughs> Wait a second, I'm, I'm alive. I don't want this to end. Uh, it'll keep going. Exactly, Except for. Yeah. Now, it does keep going. The energy does go somewhere. It It goes into all of your gut
1: flora, which live for quite a while after you die.
0: Exactly. They're very happy for
1: it. Unless you get cremated and they all die.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Then the energy becomes heat energy that goes up into the atmosphere. So the energy goes someplace. It does not go into a ghost. Likewise, negative energy, so-called negative energy, as the explanation for demonic or other unpleasant types of haunts, doesn't really work because that, too, Isn't a thing. Yeah, right. But dude, thoughts are energy. If we think about ghosts, the energy of our thoughts is going to leave our bodies.
0: Although, in a sense, you can think yourself into a ghost being in the room. But that's not energy. That's That's you. That's uh, thoughts. That's thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It turns out thoughts are actually thoughts. So
1: unless you want to say, you know, that it is electrical energy in your brain, impulses back and forth. There you go. So there is, to a certain extent, that can be. We can draw a loophole around it. Yes. Um, negative charge is a thing. Negative energy is not, uh, and electricity certainly has that, but that is a whole different kind of deal. Right. Uh, electrical energy is the energy of zooming electrons, doing different stuff, usually generated <laughs> from a different form of energy and usually being used as yet another kind of energy. So what I mean here, picture a spinning turbine, like by a dam or something, um, mm-hmm. uh, Turning its kinetic energy of motion into electrical energy, mm-hmm. sending it through a bunch of wires and stuff, transformers and things, till it gets here into the outlet, becomes either stored energy in my laptop battery, which is chemical potential energy, or released as heat, light, etc. from my screen and hard drive <laughs> and all that jazz. Light in particular, by the way, is just one small part of the spectrum that is electromagnetic radiation. This mm-hmm. includes everything from radio waves way down in the low end.
0: That's right. To that's visible right.
1: Light, which is a very small sliver of the overall spectrum.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then after that, you have ultraviolet x-rays, gamma rays at the very mm-hmm. high end. Mm-hmm. Electromagnetism is a whole different beast, however, and I won't get into it. But in general, yeah, energy, electricity, good times
0: good times indeed and um i appreciate your leaving electromagnetism for the end there because it just it was so completely happens, accident yeah i uh <laughs> took it to be just a happenstance situation not planned at all and uh it, it happens to tee me up very well for uh my next topic which is earth's magnetic fields mm, girl <laughs> get out of them fields girl <laughs> um you know we're talking a lot about energies uh some which may or may not be visible some which seem to emit into a higher realm through sort of the crystal energies and all this kind of thing well <laughs> we do so happen to be kind of on a giant crystal which happens to indeed emit quite a field of energy and you that, mean
1: this whole area of new hampshire is on top of a giant crystal i knew
0: it it is a dark crystal though it's Actually, the a, shitload of, a
1: shitload of quartz we're out this
0: is the granite, state, we are on the granite state it's true um we're all charged up and uh speaking of which jake I must admit, I feel charged up electricity, so, you know, Mm. don't put me down. Because (laughs) Earth has quite an extensive bank of natural electrical energy, our planet emits a substantial electromagnetic field, and it is Earth's quality as a massive cosmic fridge magnet that I'll now take (laughs) us on through. Some quick definitions. A magnet is any material or object that produces a magnetic field. How do those things work, anyway? I will do my best... (laughs) Despite my intense personal fear (laughs) of confronting the unknown, (laughs) to describe exactly that, a magnetic field, though invisible, is a force field created by the movement of electrical currents and magnetic dipoles. For this reason, I'll get into it in a second, Uh, for this reason, at any given moment, a magnetic field has a direction, for example, north to south or south to north, and a magnitude or strength. If you've ever played with magnets, you've undoubtedly noticed how one side tends to cling while the other repels. This is the magnet's directionality. The intensity with which the magnet clings is a good measure of its magnitude, which is basically an ultra pun in this context. <laughs> there's a shitload more on magnets. I can't imagine there's any more to know about magnets than that. It all just seemed like a blur to me as I kept reading, <laughs> so I still don't understand how they work fully. <laughs> but suffice it to say, Earth has a massive geomagnetic field which extends from the interior of the planet out into space roughly speaking it is the field of a dipolar magnet currently tilted at an angle of about 11 degrees with respect to the earth's rotational axis okay basically you can imagine the biggest bar magnet ever placed at that angle at the center of the earth and we have this big-ass magnet however the fuck it works (laughs) to thank for getting to enjoy life on this funny marble The Earth's magnetosphere is the region that is defined by the extent of the Earth's magnetic field in space. It extends several tens of thousands of kilometers into space and protects the Earth from the charged particles that the sun basically farts out each and every day. Thanks, magnetosphere. I tell you what, um, without those magnetic layers, the cosmic rays would basically strip our atmosphere away in short order, and uh, we would basically die. Roasted in ultraviolet radiation. (laughs) Stupid other aspects of the electromagnetic spectrum. Exactly. (laughs) And this sort of repellent activity is most visible during sort of solar flare moments when especially concentrated blasts of uh, solar wind douse the planet and we see these as the aurora borealis Mm -hmm. If you've not uh, witnessed this before also the corona borealis if you're in the south ooh, i like that so the earth and most of the planets in the solar system as well as the sun and other stars all generate magnetic fields through the motion of electrically conducting fluids and i think this is a pretty cool process and involves a dynamo so Mm. it is truly a dynamic process (laughs) Without getting too far into the weeds of it, a rotating, convecting, and electrically conducting fluid can maintain a magnetic field over massive expanses of, of time. And I will briefly describe how this works. Essentially, the Earth's core is divided into a solid inner core with a radius of around 1,200 kilometers. Is that made of nickel? That's mostly iron. Ah, oh, fuck. And a liquid outer core. Is that made of nickel? Yes. Okay.
1: Can some of it please be nickel? Nickel. I thought that some of it was. Is it nickel? I, some, I think there's some nickel somewhere. I don't know.
0: Who gives a shit? Uh, the motion of the liquid in the outer core of the earth is driven by heat flow from the inner core, which hovers around a toasty 6,000 Kelvin, mm. which is 5,730 degrees Celsius or 10,340 degrees Fahrenheit. Toasty. Um, so that's at the core. Uh, it cools down... At the core mantle boundary to around 3800 Kelvin (laughs) pretty frosty right (laughs) the temperature increases towards the center causing liquid closer to the center to become more buoyant this fluid rises out cools and drops back down and repeats this process again and again Um, add to this the rotational velocity of the earth about its axis And this fluid motion is organized into a series of hellacious, column-like rolls. Okay. (laughs) It just seems like the biggest, most intense, chaotic, but beneficial garbage fire ever. Just a (laughs) chaos of hell (laughs) that somehow sustains and even (laughs) amplifies the planet's massive magnetic field. So, while the north and south magnetic poles are usually located near the geographic poles... They can wander widely over geological timescales, normally very slowly, such that ordinary compasses can remain useful for navigation. But given that there is a sort of fluid underlying base to all of this, there are at irregular intervals, averaging around several hundred thousand years, reversals in earth's magnetic north and south poles hmm. um in which they abruptly switch places in the matter of seconds i honestly don't know when's the last time it happens but we while. are we are overdue as far as i understand it yeah and these things are it is a dramatic enough event that there's like a log left in the rocks themselves oh that's right from um, when this
1: like seafloor splitting in the middle of like the atlantic and stuff as new mantle kind of comes up and hardens it um it all the new basalt is kind of oriented along the line of whatever the polarity is mm, at the time mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. so you have different stripes of the that same polarity and then the reverse when it switches
0: there you go something yeah i i didn't actually read exactly how they monitor it but perfect example
1: so you can tell the age of rock because of how close it is to the middle where all the new stuff's coming from and then you can tell what its polarity is based on it's there you a go. rock um That's so, so cool yeah.
0: It's, and there's actually quite a bit of um, paranoia surrounding a magnetic reversal because there are some theories in which during the reversal, albeit likely a brief event, mm-hmm. there is, in all likelihood as well, a reduction in the magnetosphere Makes during sense. that period. And so the fear is that we would have a polar reversal in the same period as a solar flare. Mm. And that would basically act as like an electromagnetic pulse blasting all electrical equipment Mm. and could cause incredible, like just society-crushing damage.
1: Let's hope that, I guess, the Pacific Ocean is facing the sun at the time? (laughs) The fewest (laughs) land masses?
0: Right. (laughs) And all planes are grounded? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's stuff like this. Who who knows what other damage it might do, but obviously the Earth's gone through it many, many times before, and I mean life has continued on so it wouldn't be catastrophic in the sense of like hellfire across the face of the earth but pretty challenging human shit up for sure exactly which we're maybe overdue for that too anyway yeah i'm gonna jump from that into plate tectonics now that's pretty apropos i feel like after
1: talking about the seafloor spreading thing and how that tells us the polarity stuff so let's
0: very much so let's Um, hear
1: about some of those Plates and yes. their
0: tectons. Yes, indeed. Now, Jake, I know we slash just you took us through the seemingly mysterious movement of some relatively small rocks last week. hmm Minus Karen's. <laughs> and that's what made me think of talking about this today, mm-hmm. since we are actually sitting atop, if you will, very giant rocks that are moving all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, many, perhaps all of our listeners will likely have some conception of plate tectonics. Essentially, this describes the movement of our planet's lithosphere, which, as we know, is the rocky layer. Over top, know that, right? We all were listening earlier? Yeah, exactly. You guys took your notes. Um, over top, it's asthenosphere, which is a viscoelastic solid. Mm-hmm. Those are some big words, right? Asthenosphere is a scary-sounding term. <laughs> but it breaks down to astheno-weak sphere. It's the weak sphere from Greek. Yeah, weak... <laughs> Dude, you're such an asthenosphere. The lithosphere, the stone sphere over the weak sphere. (laughs) And a viscoelastic solid uh, also could scound, scound sary. (laughs) Viscoelastic solid could also sound scary and uh, just maybe a little arousing. (laughs) Without getting too far into it as a viscoelastic solid the asthenosphere has properties of both solid and liquid materials okay think of ultra hot silly putty essentially i'd rather not damn it think of it o- okay okay um, um, all right wait yep we'll okay, i'm there okay good uh such materials can bounce or resist shear much like a solid but gra- also gradually flow like a liquid okay Um, the Earth's relatively rigid lithospheric plates thus creep over top of the asthenosphere at a rate of about 10 to 40 millimeters a year, bumping into and sliding over and under one another. This is still weirdly arousing. (laughs) (laughs) To give you some idea of that tectonic pace, it takes between about eight and 30 years, depending on the exact rates, for any given plate to move just one foot or about 30 centimeters. Wow. Considering the mass involved, this is pretty incredible, but it also means the major land masses have shifted by maybe only 12.6 kilometers since the dawn of Homo sapiens. Shit. By my own math, there may be a more exact figure here. Tectonic plates are made up of either continental crust or oceanic crust, as Mm -hmm. you just mentioned, and most plates contain both. For example, the African plate includes the continent and parts of the floor of the Atlantic and Indian Oceans. The distinction between oceanic crust and continental crust is based on their modes of formation. So, as you mentioned before, oceanic crust is formed at seafloor spreading centers, and continental crust is typically formed through arc volcanism and accretion of terrains through tectonic processes. What? So, essentially, through volcanoes. Okay and through land bumping into itself. <laughs> Oceanic crust is also denser than continental crust because it has less silicon and more heavy elements, and that also can shift the dynamic of plate tectonic. To yeah, so when you bumping. have like, the
1: Pacific plate is moving towards, you know, the west coast of the North American plate, and because it's denser, it goes underneath it. It subducts. It subducts, or wait, is t- it? Or the Pacific plate is going towards the? I'm not positive it? it does that. I know oh, okay. for sure it goes. Uh, goes towards the
0: Asian um, continental oh, plate. Oh, okay, but still, so it would be the one to go under. I imagine. Yes, and that's where you get like the Mariana's Trench. It's super duper deep, the Challenger Deep. That's oh a yeah, subduction true. Zone down there. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that actually. Pretty sure. That's cool. So, three main types of plate boundaries exist. Uh, We've just mentioned one, which is actually a type of convergent boundary. Okay. But there are also divergent boundaries and transform boundaries. Um, I will talk about these in order of, I mean, just reading back over these now, from least to most sexy? (laughs) All right. So, divergent boundaries occur where two plates slide apart from each other. Um, This is considered constructive because it tends to lead to the formation of new tectonic plates. If I can interrupt,
1: interrupt, give an example of each. So the center of the Atlantic would be a divergent boundary. Yes, indeed. Where new uh, is forming and also the one landmass that fits into it, Iceland, keeps getting bigger. Oh, indeed. It's cut right down the middle by that same um boundary and so that's why there's so much volcanic stuff happening there
0: that is so cool I and didn't know uh, so that. Iceland
1: will continue to keep getting bigger so eventually it'll probably just be two different islands ice and land
0: <laughs> convergent boundaries or active margins occur where two plates slide toward each other to form either a subduction zone with one plate moving underneath the other hmm. or a continental collision This is considered destructive because it tends to lead to the loss of tectonic plates as they are gradually subducted away, or two plates continuously crush into a single plate. This is also where we get mountain ridges, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. And uh, one
1: of the coolest in the world is the uh, the Himalayas, the Indian subcontinental plate crashing into the, uh, the Asian continental plate and continuing to keep moving over the
0: years. So the Himalayas just keep getting taller. That is pretty cool. Um, And finally, we have transform boundaries, which are considered conservative, given that there is essentially no loss or gain of plate mass. Um, And these occur where two lithospheric plates slide, or perhaps more accurately, grind (laughs) past each other along transform faults, where plates are neither created nor destroyed. There's just a lot of friction.
1: And that's where you get a lot of earthquakes happening. They can happen at any boundary, but they especially happen at transform boundaries.
0: Indeed. And that's uh, the hot stuff of plate tectonics. Oh, boy. Um,
1: Well, to bring us uh, back to our natural point and to kind of ground ourselves again, if you will, about all this energy and healing and whatnot, I want to talk about the placebo effect. A placebo in blind medical trials is something taken like medicine, but that is meant to do nothing and thus act as a control to compare against and see if the medicine actually does anything. Mm. So you have one group taking the actual medicine, one group taking a placebo, neither group knows which one they're taking. You see you know who improves or who doesn't to see what the effect is, see if there's any difference between the two. So sometimes the recipients of a placebo still experience a change, even though there's no real reason for this to occur. Mm-hmm. By design, mm-hmm. it's inert and shouldn't actually do anything, but they may still improve. Uh, this is chalked up mostly to a psychological association with the mere idea of having taken a medicine that is supposed to make them better. And the body responds to this belief that things are about to improve by also taking additional measures to meet that expectation itself. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, additional immune response and stuff to kind of help meet the medicine halfway or whatever. Right, uh, right. The perceived medicine. And they've actually found that the, the effect is stronger depending on how the placebo is administered. So if it's just a pill versus an injection versus a surgery... Uh, The more intense the method of implementation, the stronger the placebo effect can be, Mm -hmm. because the more you think something is being done to you that can potentially help you. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these practices we've talked about and the kind of new age stuff can absolutely fall into this category and thus technically still work despite all of our poo-pooing of it. So if you hold onto a crystal or keep it with you and strongly believe that it's going to give you a more positive mindset, for example you may very well end up with a very positive mindset. True enough. Uh, The crystal didn't do it, though, but having the crystal totally did. Another form that this might take is more along the lines of just how we associate things. Mm-hmm. So I saw a post the other day uh, where maybe a friend or someone said that they were going to be carrying a piece of amethyst to help their mindfulness that day. Mm-hmm. So if you're carrying a particular crystal that's supposed to help you be more mindful and it's in your pocket, you have a rock in your pocket, which you don't normally do. You're walking around and every once in a while you'll notice either feel it or just like, oh, this, this rock. Oh, yeah. Oh, that? Oh, yeah. I have that? I oh, yeah be to be more mindful. And it'll keep reminding this rock you is really working. to be mindful. So it's gonna, it's the same kind of effect as tying a string around your finger before you go to bed at night to remember something in the morning. Um, So I, when I need to remember something, I'll just like, I don't have time, I don't have a string. I can just tie around my finger. It takes too long to do that. So I'll just in bed like oh i gotta make sure that I do such and such in the morning so i'll just like take something off of my nightstand and just like throw it in the middle of the floor <laughs> so i wake up in the morning like oh that doesn't belong there why did i put that there oh yeah <laughs> it works every time that's pretty crafty
0: so. yeah um i usually just put the big ass herkimer albatross in the way of my uh <laughs> footpath <laughs> i trip over that oh god damn oh my bleeding <laughs> oh that's right i gotta do I my can taxes see the <Yeah>. Oh, that's right. I had to do my laundry today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In
1: that sense, yeah, having the crystal on you will do its job. Mm -hmm. So with regards to the use of crystals overall, here's a little sum sum from mindbodygreen.com. This is a quote. Uh, Set your intention in line with the energy of the crystal. The power in this simple ritual resides in you, not the crystal. It's important to hold the crystal in your hands or to touch it if it's a larger stone. Uh, Sit quietly and breathe. Connect to your breath, your faith, the earth that you live on, and the stone that you're touching. For some, this is a time for prayer. For others, it's one to clear the mind and simply be. State what you want to manifest in your life. You can say this silently to yourself, but I found that speaking it aloud creates a more powerful energy. The crystal energy of the earth is a tool to help you become more centered, grounded, and balanced. When you manifest from this vibration, magical things happen. So this person who buys into all of it is describing definitely just psyching yourself into a yeah particular i was gonna
0: say as much as it's like um you know clothed in the language of this sort of new age vernacular i guess yeah it is basically a meditative process they're putting you through sure and um one that isn't altogether that crazy sounding you know no. they're basically just like hey Focus on what you want out of life. Exactly. Use this. Use this as a focus point. So then, after that, it can
1: become a reminder of the thing you want to focus on. So that,
0: that seems like a great way to charge a crystal, if you will. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Pretty cool. So this is the way you're supposed to like describe me. You can program them to have a certain function. This mm-hmm. is how you supposedly do that. So right. Yeah. In that sense, all of these crystal ideas can totally work, if by no other means than just by simply being a way to help remind you to. Feel act and behave in a certain way Pretty cool Yeah so one last example I'll I'll end on here Is acupuncture mm. The traditional point of it is to unblock Chi flow throughout the body No pun intended The point of it uh, Okay <laughs> It's uh, It's still practiced nowadays And even with a great deal of purported success From otherwise normal doctors No scientific basis has been found For why it could possibly work but it could very well be a more elaborate take on the placebo effect. Mm. If you're doing something a lot more involved, like, so if you think just taking a pill will cause you to get better just because you're like, oh, I'm taking something that should make me better. If you're getting stabbed with a bunch of needles, it's a very, it's a much more extreme procedure. Yeah, so,
0: visceral kind of. Uh, yeah,
1: so it'll make you feel much more like, oh, this is going to be doing something, something for me. Something is
0: happening to me, yeah, right? Yeah.
1: That, but also the uh, the release of endorphins as a result of having a shitload of needles stuck into your skin <laughs> can 100% be an effective relief to some kinds of chronic pain. So that's right. an actual measurable thing. Right. The uh, point is, some of this stuff can still have real benefits even if the reasoning behind it is less mystical and more material
0: Mm. very very cool so jake what would you say is our take home today i
1: guess the main thing here is the difference between an interpretation of the world that revolves more around science or around magic right the idea of magical stuff and i know like so one thing that's always come to mind for me is um you know when you're little the whole world seems so much bigger and you yeah everything seems magically. you believe in magic. Right, you get right. older and the magic is gone it doesn 't have to be though I think no, the indeed. reason for that is that you don 't need to believe in magic anymore when science and the natural world and the way it actually works empirically is so much cooler than anything you could ever actually it's,
0: imagine. It is just so phenomenal it 's true, and I appreciate too how much the sort of uh magical powers i mean i which I think you touched on extremely well with that last segment. The magical powers, if you will, with like air quotes around them of things in the world can actually be means by which we can help ourselves and better our own lives without it necessarily having to be like, oh, you know, this item or this tool or this space is necessarily giving off some kind of energy that I need to depend on in order to improve my life. But rather it's, you know, I can use this as a practice or some kind of meditation or some kind of um you know thing to uh let that enrich one's life rather than necessarily subscribing to uh sort of cultish (laughs) realms but carry on i totally agree the world is quite a magical place yeah and that's i think that's the reason
1: that we you know we may have seemed like we're coming down hard on people who believe in this kind of stuff or are interested in it i think part of it is like the people we talked about last week who Mm -hmm. i got annoyed by the people who decide to just um Look at different Eastern philosophy and religious practices and say, oh, that sounds cool. Me, too. And then just appropriate it in their own ways. True. And that can be just kind of annoying the way a lot of things white people do can be annoying. <laughs> um, but also, I think I, and I mentioned the idea of like, you know, alternative medicine that's actually kind of dangerous. Right. That can right. bug the hell out of me for a lot of different ways. Um, vaccinate your kids, please. Yeah,
0: please vaccinate.
1: Vaccinate just everything. Just <laughs> never stop vaccinating. Never.
0: They vaccinated too much. <laughs> He's immune to the vaccine now. <laughs> but
1: uh, I think the thing that bugs me the most as a, a scientist, especially as a biologist, mm-hmm. is when I look around, I, the, what got me into science so much in the first place is just how, just all the natural wonder of the world and wanting True. to understand it more. Right. And I feel like it's reductive to say, to just kind of describe things as dismiss them, rather, as being magical and not really looking into
0: the actual mechanisms behind
1: how they work and how much cooler those are than anything you might
0: make up. True enough, though I think a lot of folks who subscribe to some of these more new age principles are not actually necessarily wanting to understand the world, they're more so chasing the thrill of uh, the mysterious. They like the fact that it's not fully explained, they like the fact that it's like the dream, That they can dive
1: into. And that makes a lot of sense. Like, there's a lot to be said for, like, there's still being mystery in the world. And I think that's kind of what makes me want to keep pursuing science. Like, all these mysteries that can be solved and we'll never, ever run out of them. We can never know everything.
0: It's so true. Like, no matter how far... Or put it this way, I guess. And I think a lot of folks share this view, which is the further you go along that road, the more you realize just how much you don't... Like, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know anything. Every new
1: solution you come up with brings up more questions. Right. Okay, like, well, that's how that works. Well, shit. What else works with that? It's and, like, and what like a that. thrill, right? Yeah. Like,
0: oh my goodness, um, what a treat it is to get to uh, explore a universe that is so beyond comprehension in that way. Because where would the fun be if you really figured everything out? Come on, you'd be like, oh, that's how. That's that's how the movie ends. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm bored now. Exactly.
1: So, I think that kind of sums up our take on these particular New Age belief type things. Now, there are other variations on this and things we could cover down the road. but Most definitely. Here's our first major deep dive in our second super-duper-sitious special, special report. Special
0: report. Yes, indeed. So thanks uh, so
1: much for joining us for this two-week event. We'll definitely do another one down the road here in pretty soon.
0: Yes, indeed. If you guys have uh, ideas of topics that you'd like explored in just a regular episode or sort of larger more expansive topics that we can unpack through another special report type episode, dual episode thing, Let's please do to, uh, reach out to us, reach out, contact at
1: com or, uh, our Twitter, which I keep remembering exists and I'm trying to use more that <laughs> uh, today at superduperstish, you know, so hit that, the Facebook
0: page, Instagram, we're out there and looking forward to hearing from you. Yes, indeed. And, uh, I guess... On that note, uh keep your keep your crystals close and um uh yeah. See you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>